Welcome to the Tech Meme Right Home for Tuesday, July 5th, 2022. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, the crypto crash goes ever onward. Klarna is going on a reality TV show called Now That's What I Call a Haircut. The hackers have come for the Chinese surveillance state. The World Cup is going to have robots call off sides. And Steve Jobs is getting the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. Well, now, what did I miss? Okay, let me see how quickly we can run through this. While I was gone, Three Arrows Capital filed officially for Chapter 15 bankruptcy, protecting its U.S. assets from creditors while a Virgin Islands court carries out a liquidation. Voyager Digital temporarily suspended trading, deposits, and withdrawals, citing market conditions after issuing a default notice to Three Arrows Capital. In June, on a $650 million loan, BlockFi said it agreed to an option to be acquired by FTX for up to $240 million. The deal also includes a $400 million revolving credit facility from FTX. So again, Sam Bankman-Fried doing the JP Morgan thing. Now, that $240 million is down from the $4.8 billion that BlockFi was valued at in, I don't know, six months ago, and the original rumor was that it was going to be sold for a mere $25 million, so better than that, I guess. What about this morning? Well, crypto lender and exchange Vald has paused withdrawals, trading, and deposits, and says it's exploring a restructuring after users withdrew $197.7 million plus since June 12th. I'll quote from this one since it's the most timely, from TechCrunch. The three-year-old startup, which counts Peter Thiel-backed Velar Ventures, Coinbase Ventures, and Pantera Capital among its backers, has raised about $27 million, said it is facing financial challenges amid the market downturn, which it said has prompted customer withdrawals of about $198 million since June 12th. Vault founder and chief executive Darshan Basija said the startup is exploring restructuring options and is engaged with Kroll for financial advice and others for legal advice in India and Singapore. Vault enables customers to earn what it claims to be the, quote, industry's highest interest rates on major cryptocurrencies, end quote. On its website, it says it offers 12.68% annual yields on staking several so-called stablecoins, including USDC and BUSD, and 6.7% on Bitcoin and Ethereum tokens. The platform allowed customers to borrow against their tokens and also facilitated several other trading services. On its website, Vald said it offers users the ability to borrow up to an LTV loan-to-value of 66.67% against their tokens and instantly approves their loans. Like several tech stocks, many crypto tokens have tumbled over 70% in value in the past six months. We seek the understanding of customers of the Vald platform that we will not be in a position to process any new or further requests or instructions in this regard. Specific arrangements will be made for customer deposits as may be necessary for certain customers to meet margin calls in connection with collateralized loans. Bathija wrote today, the announcement follows Vald cutting its workforce by 30% two weeks ago. The move comes as a surprise, however. On June 16th, Bathija assured Vald customers that the platform had no exposure to Celsius, another lending startup that is facing increasing financial challenges, and Three Arrows Capital, one of the high-profile crypto hedge funds that filed for Chapter 15 bankruptcy over the weekend, end quote. What else on this beat? Radio Shack? was purchased by private equity firm REV in 2020, and it has reintroduced itself as a crypto exchange, trying to attract users with a stream of often profane tweets, which, okay, you know, 
I guess any timing is better than no timing? I will note this, though, because it's interesting. After three ACs collapse, centralized lenders with exposure to three arrows have been failing, while their decentralized counterparts have thus far been liquidating collateral relatively successfully and continue operating. So does it turn out decentralized exchanges actually work? I'm going to quote now from an interesting essay from Entrepreneur's Handbook that goes in-depth into this in greater detail, but here's the conclusion. Quote, When it comes to the crypto lending companies, their only value rests in their client list and a tiny fraction of good loans. If these clients can be retained and sold additional crypto financing products, then it might make sense to purchase the crippled centralized crypto lender for a song and assume their liabilities. Their radioactive loan books might contain a few properly underwritten loans, and those loans can be purchased at attractive prices. The problem is that the longer these lenders go without a lifeline, the less likely it becomes that they will ever reopen and allow their retail depositors to withdraw. The time pressure to conduct due diligence on these opaque entities makes it even harder to accurately assess whether the crypto barons will part with their capital and save these sinners. Surely the Fed or another central bank could bail out these hedge funds and companies, but these entities dealt in crypto. These entities are not part of the club of TBTF financial institutions and shall therefore die an ignoble death. But let's not shed too many tears, for we have learned through these trials and tribulations that the promise of a new decentralized financial system has weathered yet another test, end quote. Which is something that I have thought, I've also heard people say, and that would be, yes, the carnage has been pretty, pretty bad thus far, but it could be worse. Things haven't gone to zero everywhere. Prices of the biggest cryptos, while seriously down, obviously, are still hovering at around their previous all-time highs. Could this be a bullish sign for crypto overall? I know, I know, and I'm with you. But if this stuff calms down in a few weeks, could this be a sign that the general crypto space is actually more mature than we thought? Mature enough to survive some real bad stuff like it has been doing? Of course, the counter to that argument is the point that I made last week. How can you survive as an industry if you constantly slaughter your early adopters and biggest fans? Like, let's say crypto survives all this and comes out stronger on the other end, and maybe in a few months or years, say, partially through the lessons learned via this experience, crypto finally produces the DeFi ecosystem that the biggest boosters have always been dreaming about. How, even if that happened, would you convince people that it's safe to give it a try again? Never say Mark Zuckerberg doesn't have access to data, doesn't know which way the wind is blowing. I'm joking, Meta got out of crypto early, but probably for unrelated reasons other than Mark's gift at prognostication. They were basically pushed out of crypto, right? But further confirmation of all this, Meta will shut down Novi, its digital wallet pilot, on September 1st. Users will no longer be able to add money to their accounts starting July 21st. Quoting Bloomberg, both the Novi app and Novi on WhatsApp will no longer be available, the company said on the website. Starting July 21st, users will no longer be able to add money to their accounts, Novi said, advising users to withdraw their balance as soon as possible. Users won't be able to access their transaction history or other data after the pilot ends. The company does plan to use Novi's technology in future products, such as its Metaverse project. A company spokesperson said in an email, quote, 
we are already leveraging the years spent on building capabilities for Meta overall on blockchain and introducing new products, such as digital collectibles, Meta said in the statement. You can expect to see more from us in the Web3 space because we are very optimistic about the value these technologies can bring to people and businesses in the metaverse, end quote. Meta launched Novi's Pilot back in October of last year amid scaled-back ambitions to dominate the crypto remittances space. Instead of a new DM token Meta once backed, Novi ended up using Paxos Trust USDP stablecoin to allow wallet users from parts of the U.S. and Guatemala to conduct transactions. Coinbase Global was safeguarding the funds, end quote. Let's be real for a minute. Most guys would wear a t-shirt every day of their lives if they could. The problem is that most t-shirts are not acceptable to wear at work or out on a hot date night. But today's sponsor, Cuts, has finally changed that. Cuts t-shirts are such high-quality, wrinkle-free, and so buttery soft that you can look like you're dressing up even when you're dressing down. Yeah, you heard that. Wrinkle-free. You never have to substitute comfort for fashion ever again. If you see me in a t-shirt, it's likely one from Cuts. I'm also a huge fan of their AO5 pocket pants, the right sort of step up from jeans without going all the way into dress pants, like literally my ideal Venn diagram of professional looking but comfortable feeling. When you touch something from Cuts, you can immediately feel the quality. Their proprietary fabric blends are ridiculously soft and breathable, they don't wrinkle, and they look way more expensive than they actually are. For a limited time, our listeners get 20% off your entire order when you use code RIDE at checkout. That's 20% off your order at CutsClothing.com with promo code RIDE. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Experience the perfect blend of style and comfort with Cuts Clothing. CutsClothing.com, promo code RIDE for 20% off. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity, but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that has its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months. Or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it all works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride, collide.com slash ride. Now, this is a haircut. Sources say that Klarna is nearing a deal to raise $650 million, mostly from existing investors led by Sequoia Capital, but at around a $6.5 billion valuation, which is down from the $45.6 billion valuation back in June of last year. Quoting the Wall Street Journal, 
The company's services boomed during the pandemic as consumers flocked to online shopping. So did its valuation, which soared through several funding rounds from $5.5 billion to $31 billion and eventually $45.6 billion. The valuation surge made Klarna one of the world's most valuable fintech companies and turned its CEO and co-founder, Sebastian Simikowski, into a paper billionaire. Klarna is licensed as a bank in Sweden, and the fundraising was also necessary to keep up with the more stringent Swedish bank capital requirements, the Wall Street Journal reported last month, citing people familiar with the company. Klarna's fundraising is being closely watched in Silicon Valley as a signal of the amount of pain investors will have to take in the broader tech swoon. Venture capital firms often base the value of their investments on a company's most recent funding round, and quote. However, I want to point out that this is a classic example of how this sort of markdown is often based on comparable valuation, especially in the public markets. The 85% drop in Klarna's valuation, if this goes through, is in line with what we've seen from their competitors. Affirm and PayPal are down around 75% from their highs. They're both publicly traded and theoretically are more mature, however. And then, of course, you have the example of fast going completely to zero. So frankly, an 85% haircut actually maths out. Quoting Gavin Daly on Twitter, The funny thing is, I'd be delighted if I founded slash owned slash ran a company worth six and a half billion dollars, but they're probably not feeling like that right now, end quote. An unidentified hacker on a forum is selling more than 23 terabytes of allegedly stolen data on up to 1 billion Chinese residents for around 10 BTC after breaching a Shanghai police database, allegedly. Quoting Bloomberg, The scale of the alleged leak has sent shockwaves through the Chinese security community, triggering speculation about the credibility of the claim and how it could have taken place. Zhao Shangpeng, founder and chief executive officer of cryptocurrency exchange Binance, tweeted on Monday the company had detected the breach of a billion resident records from, quote, one Asian country without specifying which, and had since increased verification procedures for potentially affected users. Shanghai authorities have not publicly responded to the purported hack. Representatives for the city's Police and Cyberspace Administration of China, the country's internet overseer, did not immediately respond to fax requests for comment. The U.S. and other nations have repeatedly identified China as one of the world's biggest sources of cyber criminals, which they say infiltrate systems on behalf of domestic agencies in search of valuable data or intellectual property. Domestic breaches are, however, rarely disclosed because of a lack of transparent reporting mechanisms. In 2016, personal information on dozens of Communist Party officials and industry figures from Jack Ma to Wang Zhanglin was said to have been exposed on Twitter in one of the country's biggest online leaks of sensitive information at the time. In 2020, the Twitter-like service Weibo said hackers claimed to have stolen account information for more than 538 million of its users, though sensitive data such as passwords was not leaked. And this year, tens of thousands of seemingly hacked files from China's remote Xinjiang region provided fresh evidence of the abuse of mostly Muslim ethnic Uyghurs, according to a rights group. The latest alleged incident again underscored the challenges facing Beijing as it collects data on hundreds of millions of people while tightening policing of sensitive online content. Under Chinese law, the exposure of personal information can result in jail terms. It's unclear how the alleged cyber attackers in this month's breach gained access to Shanghai police servers. One popular theory circulated online among cybersecurity experts was that the breach involved a third-party cloud infrastructure Infrastructure provider Alibaba 
Tencent, and Huawei are among the country's biggest external cloud services, end quote. China is apparently rapidly censoring news of the alleged Shanghai police data breach online. Data leak and other terms are currently banned on Weibo. FIFA is going to introduce semi-automated offside technology at the 2022 World Cup coming later this year using 12 cameras and a custom soccer ball to track players and make offsides calls. Quoting The Guardian, Semi-automated offside technology, or SAOT, will see a complete overhaul of the system used to judge positional offside decisions in the lead-up to a goal. While a referee and their assistant will still make on-field calls and the referee will have a final say on SAOT decisions, the controversial practice of rewinding TV footage will be a thing of the past. During the World Cup, Offside reviews will be conducted by creating a 3D map of the goal-scoring action using a combination of 12 cameras and a high-tech ball. The Adidas Alrila ball will be fitted with a sensor that sends out location data 500 times per second, which will be matched against player positions on camera, with synchronized devices tracking 29 points on players' bodies and relaying information 50 times per second. The data will be processed using AI technology devised in collaboration with a number of universities, including the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. After being sent to an SAOT operator, it'll be double-checked by a VAR video after review. Devar will then relay the verdict to the referee, who will make the final call, but will, in theory, merely approve the decision. FIFA says that in trials, the time taken to make a decision compared with the previous VAR system had fallen to 25 seconds from an average of 70 seconds. Once a decision is made, a 3D rendering of the offside incident will be shown on television and on screens in the World Cup stadiums. FIFA says that the image would be easier to interpret for the viewer than previous TV pictures with lines drawn across them, but that the images would take an extra 25 seconds to generate." End quote. Of all the recent security updates I've been telling you about, maybe this is the one that would affect most of you listening, or the largest number of you, I suppose. Google has released a Chrome update for Windows to address a high-severity zero-day vulnerability that has been exploited in the wild. It's the fourth Chrome zero-day patch so far this year, quoting Bleeping Computer. The zero-day bug fixed today is a high-severity heap-based buffer overflow weakness in the WebRTC component reported by Jan Wojciech of the Avast Threat Intelligence team on Friday, July 1st. The impact of successful heap overflow exploitation can range from program crashes and arbitrary code execution to bypassing security solutions if code execution is achieved during the attack. Although Google says this zero-day vulnerability was exploited in the wild, the company is yet to share technical details or any info regarding these incidents. A Chrome update was available immediately when Bleeping Computer checked for new updates by going to Chrome, Menu, Help, About Google Chrome, end quote. Finally today, President Biden is going to award a posthumous Medal of Freedom to Steve Jobs for changing the way the world communicates and transforming the computer, music, and film industries. Quoting 9to5Mac, For full context, the Presidential Medal of Freedom is the highest civilian honor in the United States. It is presented to those who have, quote, exemplary contributions to the prosperity, values, or security of the United States, world peace, or other significant societal, public, or private endeavors, end quote. Jobs passed away on October 5th, 2011, after a battle with pancreatic cancer. 
posthumous medals of freedom are rare, but not unheard of. This year, other posthumous recipients include John McCain and Richard Trumpka. The awards will be presented at the White House on July 7th. The announcement does not make mention of who will be in attendance in representation of Steve Jobs. We would assume that it would be Lorraine Powell Jobs, the widow of Steve Jobs, end quote. Nothing for you today. Obviously coming to you from Northern Michigan as the audio quality probably sounds different to you. Talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.